like the body spray. Not like I'm going to ask you a question, but A-C-T-S, Acts. Acts chapter 2, if you'll find that in your Bible or mobile device, that'd be great. You can join along with me, I believe, if it's uh, using the pew Bible in front of you. That'll be page 911. Page 911. We're in this series called Abide Rhythms of Rest. Just trying to start our new year off learning how to rest, learning how to gain strength uh, by resting, actually resting in Christ and our relationship with Him, drawing deep from that well uh, because we don't have energy in and of ourselves, but we, we draw our strength as believers from God Almighty. And so what are some of those things that we need to do in order to kind of rest and, and take Sabbath and slow down the pace of our lives a little bit? We used a couple of illustrations the past couple of weeks. Uh, one was of rebooting. Uh, if you notice that your computer needs to be rebooted, I have a good old-fashioned computer up here, and, um, and you know it starts to get sluggish. It's got a lot of programs running. Things are going on in the background. You thought you shut them down. They're still going, and you've got to reboot that sucker and then just start with the basics. And so that's kind of what we talked about the, the first week is we got to kind of reboot it and, and start up the most important programs and maybe leave some of the other things, the fluff that's going on. And, uh, and so what are those things of reading the Bible and, and, and having a quiet time or a daily time with God, memorizing scripture and praying and uh, just continuing to have God's presence. And then, and then last week, you know, and, and even we talked about being part of a, a church body and, and being connected to other believers. That's an important thing. And, uh, and then last week, we kind of gave the illustration of old Pac-Man. And uh, if you're familiar with Pac-Man, he runs around the maze of life getting chased by ghosts and he needs some power pellets to survive. And, um, and he tries to eat those power pellets up uh, to, to gain strength and then navigate that. But we said, you know, it's not really if you're a, if you're a what's the right word? If you're a pro, if you're a pro at Pac-Man, um, you, you learn how to navigate the maze uh, apart from the power pellets. You use them strategically. And so we really we said last week, it's what you do in between the power pellets what you do in between those times that matters most. And so what are your dailies, the daily things you're doing to connect with God and to keep his word in your mind, to keep that continual conversation going with him throughout the day when you're with your kids, when you're in your car, you're, you're at the office and um, you're in the midst of all those situations. Are you mindful that God's presence is with you? And are you doing some of those daily things, right, to keep yourself centered on Christ abiding in him because as that verse we read earlier this verse sort of for the month from John 15 that abide in me that means like live in me remain in me stay connected and he goes on to say I am the vine you are the branches right and if a branch gets disconnected from the vine what's going to happen to the branch starts to wither and die can't be fruitful and so this reminder is that we got to stay connected all throughout the day but I don't know about you but I struggle right sometimes I'll have some time with the Lord in the morning, and it'll be great. And then I'll walk away, and, and 30 minutes later, I done forgot everything, right? Like, like God doesn't even exist. Some situations hit you, so, some phone calls hit you, some traffic hits you, right? And, and you done ran away from the Lord. And so it's that those dailies, those reminders. And so uh, we're going to talk this morning about this continual need to abide and what are some things we need to do in, in abiding specifically in community here. And so we're going to read this short passage here in the book of Acts. Hopefully you had a chance to find it. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and we'll, we'll begin reading. In verse 42 it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Verse 44, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 45, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts and praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of God, folks. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessing upon your word. God, that it would speak to us as we prayed even earlier before the service. 
pray you'd help me, a sinner, be able to communicate your truths, Father, and God, that you would speak to all of us. So right now, God, we worship you with our minds. We've been worshiping you with our, with our hearts, with our vocal cords, with our lungs. But right now, God, we want to engage our minds to you, Father. And we ask for your help to do that, God, to, to give us the grace of attention, to help us focus during this time, God, and, and hear, Father, what you would speak to us. And I just want to pray for you as you're there in your seat. I want to encourage you to have a conversation with God wherever you are in your relationship with him, or maybe you're not even sure he exists. I'd encourage you just to cry out to him. Maybe you want to say something like this, God, show me your real. Or maybe you want to pray just something like this in the silence of your heart, the quietness of your heart, and say, Lord, speak to me today. Lord, speak to me today. And say something like this, for I intend to obey. For I intend to obey. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. So this passage here is kind of mind-blowing if we're honest, right? Here are these, this is really the birth of the church. This is after Jesus has died on the cross and resurrected. He showed himself to many witnesses and then he ascended into heaven. And then we have the church getting started and we see this supernatural community. Reach over, touch your neighbor, get to know him today. Tell him, I think you might be a little supernatural. I think you might be a little supernatural. Now, don't say your breath is supernatural. I saw some of y'all. Y'all were like, you need a mint. You need a mint. Supernatural community. This is really what's going on here, right? I mean, this, this is an incredible thing. We see these believers having all things together. We see them encouraging one another, selling their possessions. We see that awe and wonder came upon people. They're, they're, man, they're, they're devoted to, to one another, breaking bread. They're meeting in the temple courts daily. Man, signs and wonders are being done. People are being healed. I mean, this is incredible. And, um, and, and let's give some context to this so you can help understand it. The book of Acts is actually part two. It's a sequel. Part one is called the Gospel of Luke. The same writer wrote both of them, and Luke was a doctor. He took meticulous notes and uh, interviewed all kinds of people and, 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 and compiled these stories here and was an eyewitness to some of them and then contacted the eyewitnesses uh, for the other ones there. But, but if you read part one of this passage here, it's the Gospel of Luke. And what you see in the Gospel of Luke is, is really the biography of Jesus Christ. And you see Jesus Christ doing the same things, right? Here is Jesus, this, this incredible person, this amazing person doing supernatural. No one else lived like Jesus. He's walking around. He's doing healings. He's, 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 he's doing miracles left and right. He's raising people from that. He's multiplying fishes and loaves. He's calming storms. People have never seen anything like this before. He's a generous person. He's generous with his time. He's generous with his, uh, uh, his resources. You never find Jesus in a hurry, right? I imagine Jesus had a lot to do. I sometimes convince myself that I'm important and that I'm busy. And I think about Jesus and the weight he had on his shoulders, right? I think about the size of his congregation, the entire world, right? And, and Jesus was never in a hurry. Every time he was going somewhere, he was at a leisurely pace. And even when people grabbed at him in the crowds or this sort of stuff, he stopped stopped to heal a woman who was bleeding, had a bleeding issue. She had just grabbed the, the hem of his garment. And he stopped and said, who touched me? I felt power go out for me. And he, he would stop to heal Peter's mother-in-law who had a, a fever. And I mean, you just see him stopping to hold children. He's not in a rush. He has this crazy, generous life. He has a connected life. He lives in a tight-knit community with the disciples. Man, they share life together. They eat meals together. And um, man, they're walking together from town to town. They're, they're having these conversations with God and, and just, man, enjoying each other's company in this tight-knit community. And I think it's an amazing thing. So we see Jesus with this generous life, this, this connected life. And really, this ends up being an extremely attractive life, doesn't it? Everywhere you see Jesus go, you know what we find? Crowds. Crowds flocking to be around Jesus because they've never seen anything like this. And they're like, man, who is this guy? Where, where? Why does he do these things? How does he do these things? And it's, and it's unbelievable. And it's like people were realizing something new is happening 
in the world. Something different is here. It's like God was giving them a fresh start. And they were tempted to think that Jesus is just a little bit better than the rest of humanity. But you and I know that that's not true. We know that Jesus is actually God in the flesh. Jesus is actually showing us what it means to be fully human. We talk about that here often. I like to say Jesus is the only normal human being, right? And so he was this new type of human, the, the human we were originally created to be back in the Garden of Eden, how we were supposed to act and be generous and kind instead of the hatred, instead of the division, instead of the, the, the anger and, and the crazy mess that goes on in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our world, in our governments. And Jesus now is, is what we like to call maybe humanity 2.0. Right? The better version, the newer version. You see, Jesus has got a whole different operating system. We're going to keep our, our computer language here. Jesus is running a whole different operating system than the rest of us. Did you know that? Some of you guys may know about operating systems. Maybe you've used a computer before. Maybe you've used uh, a, a tablet or an iPad. Um, and, um, and there are all different types of operating systems. Uh, you know, PCs were the things that most people used for many years, and uh, Macs had a good start back in the early 80s, uh, and then they kind of faded away, and they made it come back, and now they're prolific. But if you've ever used a PC and then tried to use a Mac, you're not really sure what to do. There's like a, a, a red, a yellow, and a green thing, and it's on the other side instead of the X being over here on the right side, right? You know what I mean? It's a whole different operating system. Uh, then there's this thing called Linux. I don't know if you guys have heard of Linux. Some of the computer geeks may know all about Linux, and... Um, and, uh, and, and Linux is a whole different operating system. I heard a guy telling a story about he was uh, in his, uh, with his roommate, and uh, he was too lazy to go back to his room. And uh, so he wanted to just use his roommate's computer. Just had to type something up, look something real quick. And so he pops open his roommate's laptop, and he's like, I don't know where anything is. There's no, like, desktop icons. There's no start button down on the bottom left, right? I don't know how to figure out anything. So he's like, I'm just going to start typing. He's like, and I start typing, and the wrong letters come up on the screen and all kinds of weird things. So he asked his roommate, he was like, man, what are you running on your computer? He's like, I got a whole different operating system. It's called Linux. He was like, what about your keyboard? He was like, oh yeah, I don't use a typical keyboard. We use like a, what's called a QWERTY keyboard because uh, the, the, the letters on the left spell QWERTY. And, um, but there's another kind of keyboard, maybe some of you know, it's, it's called like Dvorak or something like that. And, uh, and it's a whole different keyboard setup. And this guy was like, I think he just didn't want people using his computer. And, um, and, um, but he was like, I didn't even know how to approach this thing. Some of you feel that way just whenever you get around technology. You're like, no, I need something paper. Like, I need something. I need a pencil. I can't touch a screen and do that, right? You know? um, I love technology. Uh, but, you know, when you go to a restaurant, like, I want to be able to, I got to order off a real menu or I got to be able to see a menu. I'm, I'm kind of simple. I need pictures, right? A restaurant's got pictures. I'm sold, right? And, um, and I, I love going to Panera, and it would probably be quicker to go to the little kiosk, but it just seems like touching the, the screen there, just it messes me up. I don't know why. And it's just weird the way my brain works when it comes to maybe food. I don't know. But, I mean, so it's a whole different operating system that Jesus is operating on. People have never seen this before, and this is what messes up the religious people. The Pharisees don't know what to do with Jesus. They're thinking they're going to approach Jesus this way, and he does something completely different. They bring a prostitute to Jesus, and uh, they think, oh, Jesus is going to have to uh, stone her. And then Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. He says, you who are without the first stone, uh, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And, and, and people don't know how to approach him because he's running on a whole different operating system. He was truly supernatural and humanity 2.0. What was the operating system you asked that he was running? Was it Linux? Was it PC? No, it was the operating system of the Holy Spirit. Being, and you watch Jesus, and if you read through the book of Luke and through the book of Acts, you see this theme, you see this theme that Luke continually uses. The Holy Spirit did this. The Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit anointed him. And you see the Spirit moved him to go here. He was moved by the Spirit to go there. And all this stuff. And then you get to the book of Acts, and we see the same thing. In fact, some Bible scholars, uh, maybe in your Bible it says uh, the Acts of the Apostles at the beginning of the book of Acts. But some Bible scholars said that that would be a misnomer. It, it should really be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because at chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 2, which we didn't read, this is when the Holy Spirit actually comes down. And what God does is God downloads the new operating system into all the believers. He gives them a download from the cloud and they get a brand new operating system. 
They get the operating system, the same operating system that Jesus had so that we can live the same life that he lives. There's a great passage in the book of Romans, um, the book of Romans chapter 8. Many of us know 8.28, right? right? I know all things work together for the good of those who love them, but very few of us know Romans 8.29. Romans 8.29 says this, For those whom he foreknew, those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. What, what does that mean? God was thinking about us before time. God predestined us, preplanned us to be conformed, meaning changed to the image of his Son, to run the same operating system as his Son an operating system of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that operating system. And then it says this, in order that he might be the firstborn among what? Many brothers. Jesus was sort of the, the first of humanity 2.0, but Jesus wasn't intended to be the last. We are supposed to be image bearers of Christ, showing the rest of the world what humanity is really supposed to look like as believers. That's our job, to reflect the glory of God, to run the new operating system. And so you might be thinking, well, wait, Pastor, that's cool. I just read this passage with you. That's amazing. Um, but uh, I just got to be real with you. I, I'm not running that operating system. I, I'm not experiencing all that kind of stuff that they're talking about. I'm not, I don't know. And some of you are like, well, I am a little bit. And so let, let's just deal with kind of two pieces to that. The first piece is, Maybe you are, and you're just not seeing it. Maybe you are, and you're just not seeing it. Well, well, does our church look like this Acts 2 church? Do we look like this? Is there this, man, this fellowship and this serving one another and, the, and this all things in common, and they're selling their possessions and, and, and man, uh, breaking bread in their homes, receiving one another with generous hearts? And Is there miracles being done among us at our church and in your life? I'm going to say, yes, it is. But a lot of times we're looking for some kind of miracle that is big and fancy with lights and, and shining. What about the miracle of the person whose body hurts too much to really be here, but God gives them the grace to come and worship? Is that a miracle? Many a part of our church family struggle with pain, even in the service. And it's a miracle that they can put a smile on their face and they can hug and they can love people and give handshakes and, and they are here and and, and that's a miracle. What about the miracle of a marriage that gets restored? I see it happen time and time again. I've been a part of it. I've experienced it. What about the, the, the miracle of, of forgiveness when someone has uh, years of anger and animosity versus someone else and they are able to supernaturally forgive that person for the, the abuse and the hurt that, that has been perpetrated against them? Is that not a miracle? I see the generosity that happens between so many people helping one another out when they're sick or calling them and, and, and being there for them, driving them to their doctor's appointments and picking them up. And I mean, those things happen. What happens is they usually happen in the small pockets of community, so you don't always hear about it. But it's happening over here. It's happening over there. It's happening back there between these folks. And so there are all kinds of things that are happening that are miracles, that are expressions of that. So I would say sometimes we just got to open our eyes a little more, right, and, and stop looking for some kind of, you know, um, he couldn't walk and he came into church and now somebody laid some hands on him and all of a sudden he can walk. I mean, is not the greater miracle what happens on, on the inside of a person? Is not the greater miracle of someone who wanted to commit suicide and God rescued them from, the, from that? That's happened here time and time again by the power of God, by his spirit and what he does and how he works amongst other people. And so, yes, it is happening. But the second thing is, let's be honest, it may not be happening. If we're real, if we're, if we're, it, it, we may not be experiencing it. And, and I find often as I talk with people, as I've been a pastor for many years, I find it's, it's not that we don't have the power. We have the power. The problem is we don't necessarily know how to use the operating system. You know how we like to say it's operator error. We were at our community group the other week and uh, the other week, uh, the other day. I can't even remember. It's been so many crazy days together. And uh, we were playing this game. Um, where you heat up chocolate, put it in a diaper. This is really fun. Um, this is what we do at Community Group. Put candy bars in diapers. So you should join our group um, if you like diapers and candy bars. Um, so it was part of a baby shower. My wife is correcting me. It was part of a baby shower. It was associated with our group. Thank you, sweet pea. Um, and so I was heating up 
um, the chocolate in the microwave. And, um, and the first one did well. And I got the chocolate all mixed up, put it in the diaper. It was lovely brown stuff in the diaper. It was beautiful. And um, don't throw up in your mouth right now. Just stay with me. And, um, and then I got out another bar. It was a Milky Way. And, uh, and I was going to microwave that. Pop it in there for 30 seconds. I mean, this is going to be ready to go. It's going to be nice and mushy. Put it in the diaper. It's beautiful. And, um, and, man, I touched it. It was cold and hard. And I was like, man, this is weird. And I uh, put it in for another 30 seconds. Right, This is chocolate, folks, and caramel. And I thought, this thing is going to be a gooey mess. No, but I touched it as hard as can be. And I put it in for another 30 seconds. This is 90 seconds of chocolate in the microwave. I thought for sure, and it is just hard as can be. And I looked at Amanda, who's in our community group. She's our Forge Kids Ministry uh, director. And I said, Amanda, I don't know what's in this chocolate, but it ain't natural. The first one did just fine, but what, this is plastic. Like, and we're putting this stuff in our body. She's like, I don't care what's in it. I just love chocolate, and so it's good with me. And uh, I was like, man, this is crazy. And, um, and then Sean, uh, her husband, comes up a little bit later, and he says, hey, Mac, um, I don't think that microwave's working. And I said, why? He was like, Joey was out here microwaving his potatoes for like 10 minutes, and they were cold. And I was like, oh, the microwave doesn't work. And um, it was some operator error, right? And, um, and so sometimes we, we, are, we are not knowing how to access the power that we have. Some of us have way more power in our cars and our phones um, and, and our computers than we even know how to access. And we're just like chinking away. There was an old movie. I don't know if, if there are any uh, nerdy people in here like myself, but there was an old, 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 not super old, but old enough, Star Trek. I think it was Star Trek Part Four, like coming home. It's where they go back in time. Uh, some of y'all might know that. There were some whales. There was one about the whales. And uh, it was one with the real Spock and Scotty and all those guys, like the true the true Star Trek. And, um, and they go back in time. So, you know, Star Trek is in the future, and... Um, and, and they got computers that they talk to, kind of like Alexa. I mean, we're not too far off, right? Uh, but all on board, you know, they're on the bridge. They're like, you know, they sell this stuff, beat me up, Scotty. And they do all that stuff. They talk to their computers. So, but these guys go back in time to like the 1980s. And, um, and they're at this factory. They're trying to help this factory guy. They got a, it's a big, long story. But the point is, they end up going to the computer. And the guy in the, in the factory back there in the 80s is like, hey, you can use my computer if you need to, you know, figure this out. And so Scotty goes over to the computer and he goes, Hello, computer. And it didn't do anything. Was there anything Was there anything wrong with the computer? No. See, he wasn't accessing it. Stay with me. Now, he wasn't accessing the user interface the right way. So then um, the other guy with him, I don't remember his name, the, the doctor, um, the doctor says, oh, I know how this thing works. And he picks up the mouse. He was like, use this, right? This was part of the the user interface on how to access the power that's inside. And so Scotty goes like this. Hello, computer. <laughs> right? The problem wasn't here. The problem was he didn't know how to access the power. So how do we access the power that God has given to us? How do we access and, and the downloaded operating system that God has given us? And so I want to give you a couple things to really hear back in this passage of Acts chapter 2. The first one is Scripture. We've been talking about this all month long. We're going to continue to talk about this. This church is really built upon the Word of God. It should be built upon me uh, or, or what I say, but it should be built upon the Bible. It should be, thus saith the Lord. And so Scripture, this is the first part of accessing the, the new operating system. What would it be like to interview the people that were there? As we just talked about the life of Jesus, right? what would it be like to, to ask those questions, right? Man, hey, what was it like when he got into the boat and he walked on the water and he just like calmed the storm like that? And he was like, peace be still. And just like rain just stopped, thunder just stopped. And it was like, you know, birds were singing. What was that like? You know, could you tell me what that's like, Peter? Could you tell me what that's like? Hey, when, when they raised Lazarus, you know, he came up out of the grave and they had to unwrap him. Was he stinky? Like, you know, what was going on? What was that like? And, and could we get there? Hey, when he fed the 5,000 and he multiplied, uh, you know, the, the bread there, the little boy. You know, what was that like? Man, when he came out of the tomb, John, when you guys ran to the tomb and he wasn't there and you saw him, hey, Thomas, when you put your hand right there in his, in his, in his wrist and his hands and you felt the wounds, what was that like? Could you tell me what that was like? Or maybe if you had questions, right? Man, hey, you guys did this. You, 
you saw Jesus forgive people while he's on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. Man, I, how do you love and forgive people that hate you? Could you give me some wisdom on that, right? How do you love people you don't even get along with? Hey, you guys had power, Holy Spirit, power, and, you, and, the, and the gospel started to spread. How do you guys use your power and influence and, and not let it corrupt you and not let it corrupt your soul? How do you be a person of gentleness in a culture of, of craziness and outrage where, where everybody's picking sides and arguing with one another? How do you learn to, to be a person of gentleness in that kind of culture? How do you find hope in hard times? You know those questions that we want to ask them? Too bad we really can't ask the eyewitnesses that were there, can we? Or can we? You see, we have their writings right here. These are the writings of the eyewitnesses of Jesus. But not just the, the eyewitnesses. This is also the word of God, folks. It is God-breathed. It is God's word. Notice back at verse 42 in Acts chapter 2, right? Notice what it says. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. We have access to that. This is part of the user interface. This is the user interface. You want to know how to access the power of God. You have got to be a person who gets in the scripture regularly, daily, and let it speak to you. The Bible also says this about itself, being God's word. It says all scripture in 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is breathed out by God. It's, it's God breathed and it's profitable for teaching Reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. The scripture is God breathed. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, The word of God is living and active. This is a living book. Man, it can it can understand us. And it man, it speaks to me regularly, living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So if you want to access the power of the Holy Spirit, the new operating system, you have to be devoted to this book. And so again, why are we memorizing scripture? Why are we why do we take half the service and dedicate it to the scripture? Because we really believe this is what transforms us and what informs us. Not my opinion, not your opinion, not what you heard somebody say, but what does God's word say? Amen. So no matter where you are on your journey, how could you be more devoted to scripture? We've been talking about that for several weeks. Some of you have been like, I pastor, I'm hearing you. And I'm saying, I'm still waiting for you. Right? I'm still waiting for you to get connected to reboot and make regular scripture reading. Use the daily bread. Use a Bible app reading plan. There are a billion tools. Make it regular. And guess what? And, and we're doing our spiritual growth class on Wednesday nights to kind of help people uh, uh, get these habits ingrained. But listen, you won't do it perfectly. It's not about doing it perfectly. You're, you're going to miss a day. You're, you're not going to get connected. And guess what? That doesn't mean you're a terrible Christian or a terrible human being. It happens. You know what you should do? Get back up and keep going. Don't let missing a day keep you from the word of God, right? Just get up and go on. Persevere. Persevere in it. It's okay. And so be a person. What would it look like? Our community groups are focused around the word. Yes, we, we heat chocolate up in microwaves. And, um, but we also are focused around the word. And so scripture is the first one. The second one is community. The second one is community. You see that here in the text. This is the second piece of accessing the new operating system is that you've got to have biblical community, meaning Christian community. Again, if you look at, at verse 42 back in the text there, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread. Man, these guys were, were together with one another. And then later on, right? If you read in verses 44 uh, through 47, it says, and all who believed were together. They were together. And had all things in common. Verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. Could you imagine what that would be like? I know sometimes this passage messes up people and they're like, is this communism? Is this socialism? Oh my gosh, socialism in the Bible. What are we going to do? Now listen. This is not a commentary on human economics and how uh, American government might work or, or the government in another country. This is the economics of the kingdom of God, which is a whole different thing than human economics. We should be striving and moving towards that, but don't get all freaked out about that. Because in the kingdom of God, it is more focused on our hearts. 
And so the question for us is, man, how is our heart generous towards community? I don't know about you, but I want to be like this. I know I struggle. I'm not a hugely materialistic person, but I know sometimes I got my stuff, and I don't want you to have it, right? I told a story back in the summer about my goggles, and uh, Donnie was asking me something the other day because he was taking something out to the car. He was like, you want me to keep this? He was like, I don't know if it's like the goggles. I don't want to be like on your bad list because I didn't bring it back to you. And, uh, and I was like, no, no, it's good. It's good. On the inside, I was like, you better bring that back. <laughs> no, but you know, you know how we get, and, and it's like I hate that about myself. I'm like, why am I concerned about something so stupid, so it's material, but, but I find it, and, and I just need God to free me from that. You know what frees me from that? Being in community with people. It forces me to share. It forces me to be open-handed and, and lend freely. And so we've got to be in community. The, the Greek word here, uh, back in verse 42, right, which was, they, they developed themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostasy and to the fellowship. That's the Greek word koinonia. It means a deep sharing of all that one has. It actually means a partnership, a, a partnership. They were all together. They were on the same team, and they were working side by side to help one another out. So let me ask you this question. What community outside your immediate family are you regularly a part of that you're connected with on a deep level? Got to think about that, don't we? I know you get together with some friends from work, and y'all go bowling or, or something like that, or you see your neighbors and you say hi. That's not the same as koinonia, sharing the depths of your hearts. That's, I, I know you see people here, and you give them a hug, and it, and, it, and it feels good. But fellowship is much deeper than, hey, how's the weather? God bless you. Bye. That's not fellowship. We, we sometimes think that. Fellowship is not just... Not just, you know, eating some, some, uh, some uh, what do they got back there today? Rice Krispie treats and, uh, and some coffee there and talking for a few minutes before the service. The fellowship is, is deeper. It's got to happen during the week. It's got to happen. Your lives have to overlap. And so who is in your community? Who have you invited into your home? Notice that in verse 46, it says, Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. These people were, were seeing each other regularly. Now, I know some people say, look, look, Pastor, I know you all about the home thing, and, and that's great, but you haven't been to my home. You, you haven't been to my apartment. You don't know what it's like. Oh, yes, I do. I have five kids. <laughs> we lived in 800 square feet, 900 square feet, until we, Dan helped us build an addition. That only gave us, a, you know, it was just one little room there. So we, we know what it's like to live in tight quarters. And do you think the people in the first century had a home anywhere near the size of your home or apartment? No. They would be like, this is where you live? This is huge. So sometimes we use an excuse, right? Oh. Oh, I, I, no, people, I couldn't invite people over. I, I couldn't do that. Because my home is, is just, uh, listen, we're not talking about fancy. See, because what happens is we get caught up and trying to impress people instead of being real. See, being in Christian community means being real with one another. Not continuing to put on a good face like, oh, yeah, everything's great. Oh, yeah, I always vacuum this part of my house. You ain't vacuumed it in seven years. You vacuum it because somebody's coming because you're trying to impress them. That's not real, true community. I'm not saying you shouldn't vacuum. I mean, you should, right? But, but let's, let's let down the guard a little bit, right? It's, it's family over fancy. See, some of us get caught up in trying to be fancy instead of just having some family over. You know when you have some family just stop by, you're not worried about, well, some of us are, but for the most part, you're not all worried about, well, I got I to gotta fix this, right? When you know people, they just know you got dishes in the sink. They know you ain't got no milk left in the carton, you know, just shaking it like that. You're like, hey, you know where the glasses are? Just help yourself, right? That's real family. And it's amazing that we do that with other people. We don't do it with our brothers and sisters in Christ. See, here their social life and their spiritual life overlap, and living in gospel community was natural for them. And so this is the supernatural community. I'm not talking about entertaining people. See, sometimes we, 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 we think it's entertaining people, but the Bible talks about hospitality. Entertaining is about impressing people. Hospitality is about welcoming people. You don't have to have the fanciest thing. And so who is in your community? Who have you had over even for dinner? And who are you investing in in their lives? These people were investing in one another. Literally, they were selling their possessions 
and giving them to others. They were investing in the lives of others. I know a lot of us have been watching the stock market recently. It's been going up and up. Some of y'all are excited about that. Some of y'all don't have any clue, but some of y'all really been watching it, right? I don't know if it came down yet. Did it come down? I don't know. And, um, and people make an investment into the stock. And listen, when the stock market goes up, what happens to your portfolio? Thank you for helping me. Some of y'all are still awake. Stock market goes up. Stock market goes up. You, you go up, right? If it goes down, you go down. We don't like that part, right? We like the up part. And, um, but listen, the same thing happens in gospel community. When you invest into the lives of others, man, as they grow, you grow. And then when they're hurting and they're, they're weeping and they're mourning, man, it, it affects the whole community. And we weep with those who weep and we mourn with those who mourn. But we celebrate and rejoice with, with those who, who rejoice. That's why we had a baby shower because there's this a reason to celebrate this family, new life that's being born into them. And so it's an investment. And it is hard. It's hard. It's hard for me even. It gets hard to say, man, I got to invest in these people. But you know what? The payoff is always so much greater, isn't it? To have deep, true, gospel-centered friendships is, is life-saving. And this is how God has designed us to access the user interface. Because you know what? In that gospel community, people help me grow. People challenge me. They keep me accountable. And, and it helps me continue to live in step with the Spirit. And so who is in your community? That's the question. Dr. Martin Luther King, whose birthday we'll be celebrating, or our nation will be celebrating here on Monday, uh, had a lot to say about community. And uh, I came across a quote from him from one of his sermons. And he says this. He says, agape, agape, that's God-like love. Agape is love seeking to persevere and create community. It is insistence on community even when one seeks to break it. Agape is a willingness to go to any length to restore community. It doesn't stop at the first mile, but it goes on to the second mile to restore community. It is a willingness to forgive, not seven times, but 70 times seven to restore community. And then he says this, watch this. The cross is the eternal expression of the length to which God will go in order to restore a broken community. Isn't that the point of the cross? To, to reunite a fractured community, God and his people, that the community was torn apart and God went to the cross to restore that. Isn't that? The resurrection, he continues, is a symbol of God's triumph over all the forces that seek to block community. The Holy Spirit is the continuing community creating reality that moves throughout history. He who works against community is working against the whole of creation. Therefore, if I respond to hate with reciprocal hate, I do nothing but intensify the cleavage of broken community. I can only close the gap in a broken community by meeting hate with love. If I meet hate with hate, I become depersonalized because creation is so designed that my personality can only be fulfilled in the context of community. And so, who are you invested in? Who's invested in you? If you need a community group, fill out a connection card. There are some people sitting right around you. Go out to lunch today with them. Just say, hey, my house is really dirty. I don't want to be fancy, but I, you might trip and, and break a uh, femur. So let's just go. Let's go to Wendy's, all right? You know, I mean, let's, let's, let's get up on Tuesday. Let, let's not just see each other once a week, but, but let's continue to meet together, devoted to community. Thirdly, moving on from that, how do you access the, the new operating system is, is prayer. Is prayer. It's really simple. You might be thinking, Pastor, I've heard all these before. Yeah, you probably have. We're going to keep sounding this gong as long as we're around. Amen? Because it's always back to basics. <laughs> prayer. Look back with me in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. They were praying people. We often underestimate prayer. I often underestimate prayer. We, we treat prayer like it's a perfunctory thing we got to do before we eat or do before we have a service or do before we do this. And it's like we have to sort of do it, but we don't really think it's all that powerful. Anybody else been guilty of thinking that sometimes? You know, it's like, ah. Prayer is the, the access, right? Prayer is that Ethernet cable that is plugged up to that computer, man. That information is coming directly through that cable. Prayer is the key to abiding 
I'm talking with God throughout the day. I'm staying connected to him. He's downloading information left and right as I'm on the phone with people, as I'm talking to people. And I'm just saying, God, please help me. Please give me wisdom in the situation. Lord, my kid is about to get a royal spanking, and I need some help. Right? It is the key. Now, some people say, why, why is my life not more generous, not filled with power like these guys? They were doing signs and wonders. And people were in awe. Maybe it's because we're not praying for those things. Have you prayed to be generous like these people? Have we ever prayed for that? Have you prayed to be filled with power as you go to work? See, a lot of times we just haven't asked, right? You have not because you ask not. Some of us are scared to ask for that kind of prayer. We're just so used to praying for our list, right? We talked about the other week, not just talking at God and bringing a list to him, but asking and being in his presence. Pastor, are you saying that if I start asking and praying for miracles, I will get one? I'll tell you this. If you don't pray for a miracle, you certainly won't get one. If you're not praying for God to be moving supernaturally in your life, and in your community, and in your home, and in your neighborhood, you're not going to experience that. Are you devoted to prayer? Am I devoted to prayer? Is that part of your regular thing? Are we as a church, are we people who are devoted to prayer? Now, a lot of us say, okay, pastor, uh, I've heard this. You just said this. Scripture, community, prayer. You've been saying this for a long time. Gospel groups go, right? We hear this stuff, right? But I'm not seeing this same kind of power. I, I get it. I get it. I get the operating system. I, I, I get the mouse and the keyboard. I, I got to use those things to operate. Okay, I, I get that. Well, here, here's, here's really the, the key question, right? Look, look back at, at verse 42. Notice, notice what, the, what it says. Here's the key word. And they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. Can I ask you this? Are you devoted to these things or are you just kind of dabbling? You know how we like to dabble? We get just enough spirituality. I feel good coming here on a Sunday. I, 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 I'm good. I listen to a little bit of uh, you know, music on the radio and I get a little touch here and I'm just kind of dabbling. But are you a person who's actually devoted to the scripture? Are you a person who is devoted to community? Are you a person who is devoted to prayer? Because more often than I like to admit, I'm not as devoted as I think I am. Sometimes we convince ourselves we're devoted, right? We're looking at some other I'm more devoted than him. Pastor, I've been here four Sundays in a row. That's right. Fall asleep today. Listen to the whole message. Right? Thank you. And we're, we're, we're comparing ourselves with other people. You know what it means to be devoted at something? When you're devoted to something, it means nothing else can bump it out of the way. Some of us are devoted to our kids and, and their activities. Some of us are devoted to our careers. Some of us are devoted to sports. Some of us are devoted to our politics. Some of us are, are devoted to our health and our diet. Some of us are devoted to these things. And like there is, there is nothing that will come and bump that out of the way, right? We, we guard that thing, and it won't get bumped. You know you're devoted to that, right? But man, it's like we let spiritual things get bumped left and right, and that kind of reveals our heart, doesn't it? Kind of shows us, man, we're we're not really walking the talk. We talk a good game, but we don't always walk it. So what's the activity that won't get bumped? And honestly, look at your behavior. Another uh, sermon that I was reading from Martin Luther King Jr. says this, and, and his, his speech is so eloquent here. Um, he says this, one of the greatest tragedies of life is that men seldom bridge the gap between practice and profession, between doing and saying. Can you just let that sit there? We have a different practice versus our profession. We have a different doing versus our saying. Then he goes on to say this, a persistent schizophrenia leaves so many of us tragically divided against ourselves. On the one hand, we proudly profess certain sublime, noble principles. But on the other hand, we sadly practice the very antithesis of these principles. How often are our lives characterized by a high blood pressure of creeds and an anemia of deeds? Woo. We have a high blood pressure of our creeds and, and we have religious prayers memorized. We have songs memorized. We have rituals memorized. We have all these things memorized. We have the creed down pat. 
but our deeds are severely lacking. They are anemic. Wow. He says, we talk eloquently about our commitment to the principles of Christianity, and yet our lives are saturated with the practices of paganism. Sometimes our social media habits are saturated with the practices of the world. We're singing the praise of Jesus one day and tearing someone down on the next day. Sometimes it's just the people we live with and the way we speak to those people. In fact, James would tell us later on, the, uh, he says, blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. <laughs> My brothers, this should not be. Look at the rest of the quote there. He says, we proclaim our devotion to democracy, but we sadly practice the very opposite of the democratic creed. We talk passionately about peace, and at the same time, we assiduously prepare for war. We make our fervent pleas for the high road of justice, and then we tread unflinchingly the low road of injustice. This strange dichotomy, this agonizing gulf between the ought and the is represents the tragic theme of men's earthly pilgrimage. So I ask you, are you devoted or are you just dabbling? Because that will tell the difference of whether or not you're experiencing the supernatural community, whether you're experiencing the 2.0, the new operating system that God has given you. If you're here today and you're like, Pastor, I'm kind of new to, to this sort of stuff or um, I'm new to, to church, our, our, our reminder our encouragement to you is, is you first got to get the download of the new operating system. You, you have to submit your life to Christ. You have to become a follower of Christ. Surrender your will and your sins to him, and he will gladly take them. See, that's the beautiful thing about Christianity. And this is really what, what every believer here as part of the Plaza family is all about. There are no perfect people in this room. Can I repeat that? Because I don't think y'all really believe me. Y'all are looking kind of perfect where you're sitting. Y'all looking real good. There are no perfect people in this room. All of us made from the same stuff. Sin has broken all of us tragically. And it has only been the grace of God that has rescued and redeemed those who have professed their faith in Jesus Christ. But you, sir or ma'am, have you done that? Have you received the new operating system? God is ready to download it. All you got to do is, is, is repent and say yes. Yes, <laughs> trying to operate my way is has been uh, completely frustrating. I have put myself in one destructive habit after another. I've continued to feel the emptiness of this world. God, I need a new operating system. I need a fresh start. I need your Holy Spirit to come inside of me and take control. Listen now, new operating system is not the same as rearranging things on the desktop. You know how you got all those icons on the desktop, some of us like to move them around, some of like to put them in folders, and, and it feels a little bit better, right? And you rearrange them. They're still there, people. They're still cluttering up your life. Coming to Christ is not about rearranging some things and adding church or, or Bible reading or prayer or community into your life. It's about surrendering to a whole new operating system where you've got to learn how to operate by the Spirit. It's not the same as just adding a new program either. I've got to download and get a new app. That's not what Christianity is. It is a complete trust. It is a complete overhaul. Your software, my software, was infected by a virus. And there's no antivirus that can help it. You need to be wiped clean and given a brand new start. That's what being a Christian is. When we celebrate baptism, which we do frequently around here, baptism is the picture of those people whose lives have been transformed. And it's like, man, they go down under the water and they're dead. Old operating system wiped. And then we say they're raised to walk in the newness of life. That comes right from the scriptures. They're raised to walk in the power of the Spirit. Now, that's what it means to be a believer. If you're here today and you haven't made that decision, you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, we'd invite you to do that. And so, in fact, I'm going to pray right now. So let's bow our heads as our worship team will um, prepare to come with our heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody bothering their neighbor. Let's have a time with the Lord. And, and if you're here today and you know you have not surrendered your life to Christ, maybe you know about religion, but you never got a new operating system. You got the religious app, you got the church app, you got the Bible app, but you never let Jesus come in and take full control. You know God's been speaking to you. This time is for you. And if you know that's you and God is pounding on your heart,
I want to help you. You say, Pastor, how, how could I get the new operating system? How can I give my life to Christ? It's as simple as praying. And listen, there are no, no magic words either. I guarantee you this. If you said, Jesus, help me. I'm a sinner. Give me a new operating system. He would understand that. Because right now he can see your heart. He sees your desire for him. He's already given you the faith. It's been him by his spirit that's been working to open your eyes in these moments. But if you'd like, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. And if you just repeat after me, it'll help express the desire of your heart. You might want to pray something like this. Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you. Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you. Just in the quietness of your heart. God, I surrender trying to do life my way. God, I surrender trying to do life my way. And as best I know how, as best I know, I surrender completely to you. I surrender completely. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Because you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And I believe that you rose again on the third day. Help me, God, to trust you all the days of my life. Help me, God, to trust you all the days of my life. Sorry. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and, and your heart is, is yearning for Christ and yearning for the fresh start that only he can give you, I want you to grab that connection card and put our prayer to receive Christ there. And drop it in the offering plate. few moments. We're going to have a time of response. You're welcome. If, if you want to fill out a connection, you're welcome to come. Let me know or let one of our elders or our deacons know. We're not trying to embarrass you. We want to help you grow. We want to help you learn how to use the new operating system. Because we've all been there. So, Father, I want to pray for all of us together, Lord, because we all struggle with this, even those who've been believers for many years, God. God, help us to be devoted, not just dabble. Help us to be devoted, Father, to you. Thank you for your grace to give us that. And Lord, as we prepare, as we engage in this new year, God, help us to continue to abide in you, God. Draw our strength in you. Draw our strength, not from the ought to's and the should's, but draw our strength from your great love. Because, Father, we're reminded in that scripture in John 15 that you, you don't say abide in all my rules. You say abide in my love. Oh, God, how some people in this room need to abide in your love and just sit in your love right now. I pray, Father, you give us grace to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.